Hey people, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales coach and consultant who works with coaches, business owners, and people in the world of sales who want to become more comfortable and confident in selling in their own natural human way. If you're enjoying the podcast episodes and would like to access some great free resources linked to the podcast series through the monthly newsletter, which also includes podcast extracts and news on upcoming masterminds, live streams and events, then you can email me chris.hatfield at notanothersalesguy.com. That's chris.hatfield at notanothersalesguy.com and quote, let's do this. This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organization that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognized coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now on with the episode. Hey people, today's episode is all around how you get other people to buy into your passion and how you can begin to start living your passion full time, moving beyond just working it around your nine to five. It's all very well being passionate about something, but the key to be able to creating a business around it is getting other people to buy into that passion. How do you translate that passion to other people so they actually care about what you're doing, want to invest and spend time and money in what your passion is? And then also, how do you start living that full time rather than just doing it around your nine to five? What are some of the fears and the worries that you need to overcome and be mindful of, not just from a financial point of view, but an emotional and physical point of view? Today's episode, you're going to hear from a few guests that have experienced this, that have moved beyond the nine to five and are now living their passion fully. And also some stories of how they were able to engage with other people and get them to care about their passion. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Hey, hi, hi, it's Mark here, no, <laughs> no, keep it running, keep it running, that was, that was, what was that, hey Chris, <laughs> no, come on mate, you can do this, okay, in the zone, breathe, breathe, breathe. take a moment, you alright, hey guys, uh, Mark and Bob here again, I'm just going to intro both of us this okay. time. Thanks. Uh, we co run MobFit. Do you want to tell Get the name? At least MobFit. There you go. M O B F I T. Good. Uh, and we are a workplace wellness consultancy based in London. Yeah, basically, we go into businesses um, with the aim of improving the health and the happiness of all their office workers. Um, and we do it with uh, a number of different services. It could be fitness classes high energy impact talks, massage, all sorts of different things. Um, so Chris has asked us on this last um, final segment to talk about how, how I guess we've managed to get people to buy into our passion. 
So we've already talked about how we we left our jobs in the city um, and sort of juggled um, building the sort of health and fitness business around our nine to fives. So we eventually took the plunge, but then how did we manage to get businesses and people to sort of buy into us? Um, well, I think the key early on was just being really honest. Um, we told them our story about how we had, uh, about our previous roles in the city, about, um, what we used to do and why we wanted to start the business. And basically it was, it came out the fact that we weren't happy with our office environments. We weren't, um, feeling that people's health and happiness was of priority in businesses and we wanted to try and change that. And I think once we conveyed that message, most of the work was sort of done. Yeah, and I think at the, at the start when you're just a one-man or two-man shop, you have to convey so much enthusiasm that this is your business, this is your passion, this is something you want to do. You have to be so enthusiastic. And I think in the early days when we perhaps didn't have a huge amount of experience, people kind of buy into you as a, as a business and kind of your character. So whatever it is you're doing as, as your industry or your passion needs to be so enthusiastic. I also think um, knowledgeable and credibility play a big role. We both took quite a lot of time to ensure we got some relevant qualifications, but then we're constantly kind of trying to update that knowledge so that that came across, especially in our talks. Um, a lot of our business has actually come through word of mouth. I think that's because of the types of products we do. They are of quite high quality, whether that's the classes being sort of kind of a little bit different to what people have done in the past, um, the talks framed, um, the content in a way that kind of hadn't been done before. Um, so be super enthusiastic, be credible, a credible source of knowledge. Um, they're two major ones for me. And I think just like you on your last point, which you were saying is basically we, we spent loads of extra time and extra effort and resources in trying to make our services really, really good. Yeah. Um, From a kind of salesy perspective, if you're just starting out, you don't have a huge client base, tap into kind of friends, families for um, testimonials, work with them on a free basis. If you're not comfortable charging yet, work with them. Um, whatever your project might be, it gets them then free testimonials, which are actually quite powerful for building trust in your kind of prospective audience. And they might give you some, they might give you some other feedback, which is, you know, constructive criticism. I mean, it might be that actually though that person that you tapped into um, to try and get a good testimony might say, actually, you know what, mate, that really wasn't very good. And then you can try and improve upon that. Um, I think also when you're looking at, if we're just looking at the sales side of things, so we wanted to we wanted to be seen as like the new kids on the block. We thought that a lot of other wellness companies out there were very stuffy, very corporate, exactly what we were trying to avoid. So we we kind of had a chat and we wanted to think of a way in which we could sort of stand out and make a good first impression. And it's tricky when you're being told by a lot of um, sort of sales gurus about uh, you know this sort of. LinkedIn messenger and all these different things, which will work great. I'm sure for some businesses, but we just didn't feel it would be the best route for us. So we decided to send out 
cactus plants. Don't be telling our industry secrets, man. <laughs> I think it's good to Someone share. Someone could be love, listening man. to this. Like, I'm going to send like a eucalyptus tree. <laughs> <laughs> what, just up, up, up us. Okay, carrying about Carl. Okay, right. Carl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the cactus was called Carl. So basically, what people got was they got a uh, a little cardboard box wrapped beautifully wrapped in uh, with Mobfit stickers and all sorts of things. They'd open it up, and inside was a little cactus plant with uh, in a little pot with a Mobfit sticker. And there was a card which said, meet Carl. Carl will oxygenate and detoxify your workspace and keep prying co-workers at bay with his prickly fingers. And then on the back was that sort of a handwritten note about why we wanted to work with him. And I think it took us probably, it cost us about <laughs> 500 quid to make 50 boxes. It was, a, it was, I'll be honest, it was a bit of a pain in the ass to it get It was a pain in the ass. We hand delivered them ourselves. When we were doing it and making these boxes and filling them with straw and all this kind of stuff, we were thinking, what are we doing? It was like, about this time this, last year, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Just about before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we, we got them out there and basically we managed to get about five clients um, from handing out these boxes. And... I think the point was people realized, okay, first of all, not, that's not that often that you get sent a cactus through the post. Who are these weird, weird cactus guys, which we, which we were told before. Um, also, the fact that we hand-delivered them, they knew that we were sort of making the effort. And it's quite, you know, we managed to get a lot of meetings off the back of it. And I think that paid to our advantage. Now, for some people, you know, if for an established business, getting five new clients, well, that might mean, might not mean anything. It might, you know, it might be that um, that's what they're getting every hour or every day. But for us at the time, when we only had a few clients, like we were over doubling our client base. So it was huge. Um, so I think it's about just being quite, just I hate to use the word, but just being authentic. Um, it is a lot about that, conveying your, your story, um, but also I guess not being afraid of puffing your chest out a bit and being like, no, we can do this. We can actually step up and, and do a good job here. And um, just, yeah, I think it will come across in social media or wherever you do kind of your marketing. If you're not truly passionate and truly interested in the subject, it will just come across that, um, you're not kind of, as Bob said, authentic. So everything you do, be passionate, be open with people. Don't be afraid to kind of. Um, just be honest about where you are. Listen, I'm starting out in this industry, but this is what kind of little bits I've done so far. This is what I am doing. Um, and just be yourself. And I think that will kind of shine through in terms of kind of buying people into your passion. Um, and just put your... your it won't, it won't work. Sorry, sorry. That's sorry to I was going to say, it won't work with everyone. There'll be people that will go, oh, actually, I'm looking for a really established business um, to do this. But... That person, oh. you've probably left a really good impression. And in a year's time, when you've taken on 10 more clients or whatever it is, you get back in contact with them. You never know what's going to happen. And that certainly happened with us as well. Hey, Chris. Uh, my name is Tom. I run the Instagram account, Tom's Big Eats. Um, it's a food, travel, and fitness-based um, Instagram account. We're at 150,000 followers at the moment. Um, and so... I've managed to get at least 150,000 people to buy into it. <laughs> um, but I guess how do you get people or potential customers or, you know, a follower base engaged in you and buying into you and believing in what you're passionate about? Um, 
for me, I think it's just a, mostly about being, um, well, being passionate about it. Like, you have to be involved. You have to be um, part of the passion that you're you're saying you are for me i'm buried in food my my interest in food is not to just take pretty pictures and grow an instagram following my interest in food is because i look at a burger and i get bloody excited um somebody shows me a picture of some donuts in new york i'm going to that shop in new york um so i'm what you see on my page is a complete reflection of my personality um i absolutely love food i spend so much time around food and i love people i love chefs i love owners i love their stories i like talking to them i love hearing how they got into it um so, so I, I try and just let what excites me about food and people and travel come out on the page um, and i think that's been really key for me in in growing a follower base um when I started the page, uh, I probably split my time 50-50, maybe not even that much, um, in London, eating at restaurants and at home creating food for myself. And I've no no cooking background, no cooking training, but I was just making things I really wanted to eat, over-the-top stuff, uh, donuts, cookies, churros, um, pies, biscuits, that sort of stuff. Um, just, but just the most extreme version that you could. And it would take me hours to research a recipe and I would find other people that had cooked it and how they'd gone right or wrong and just see what they were doing with it. And then I would just create something even more over the top and get a video that showed the bit that excited me. So if, it, if you're breaking into a pie and the caramel just oozes out the top or Nutella spills over the side, it just those are the sorts of things that just sell a food to you. They just kind of say, oh, yeah, I bet that tastes really good. Um, so the more excited I got about it, the more people seemed to get involved with it. Um, and then I, I have a big follower base in London because that's where I've probably spent most of the last year and a half now, just uh, getting involved in restaurants, meeting people, trying new food, posting and raving about it, um, relating to the people that follow me, trying to answer them every time I can, um, speaking to them via DMs and comments, um, engaging with them about their feedback on food, taking their recommendations and then going to hit them up bringing them with me eating um just trying to be as as genuine to my personality as i can do through through the food page i'm just a silly happy guy i just like to you know show that across if i can do if we start with the more practical and pragmatic stuff um so i've been running big eats alongside my full-time job for probably just over two years by the time i got to the point where i realized i could quit if I wanted to, or I would either have to start turning down work through social media in order to stay in my current job. Um, so all the time in those two years, I was investing in Big Eats, helping it grow, uh, taking on as much work as I could do without affecting my nine to five. Um, and just seeing where it went, I never, I wasn't aiming for more and more money. It just kind of kept coming my way. Um, and it, it got to the point probably at the start of 2018 um, when I really thought that I could make a good shot of it as a business. Um, so then I guess probably the, the main things that started going through my mind were uh, I'm obviously making good money out of the two, my nine to five and now my social media um, business. I'm going to obviously lose all of the money from my nine to five. How much? extra money can I make in how much shorter time from my social media business in order to sort of, you know, offset that 
immediate loss of salary. Um, so that was one of the practical considerations. So when I reached the point where I was deciding I was going to quit, I spent time working and working and working harder and harder and harder in order to make sure that I was already earning a surplus of money to just offset the, the salary drop before I before I had it. Um, so I think that's a massive practical consideration is how much predictable income you will have once you lose your salary or can you get that in place before you quit your job. Um, so that's a practical one. Uh, I think another practical one is the lifestyle change. For me, you need to be aware of some of the things that people don't talk about, um, especially if you're going from you know a, a job that, like most people have, where you have colleagues and a structure and pensions and stuff like that, into your own business. Um, you won't have all those things. You you won't see people in the same way every day. You won't have colleagues that you call friends. So just be aware of um, the sort of lone wolf side of being a a, a business minded person because you, you you will sacrifice a lot of the things that most people find comfortable about being in a job um, having a regular income seeing colleagues and friends every day um, having a routine uh, those sorts of things go out the window and you have to be comfortable with that slightly unsteady shit um, the other challenges that I faced are um, I guess a loss of corporate structure so I don't have pension anymore um, I don't have health benefits. I don't keep up my professional CPD unless I do that for myself. Um, everything that used to just go alongside being in my employment, I now have to do for myself. Um, I don't have money coming in on the same day every month, every month of the year. Um, I have to be in control of how much money goes in and out of my bank account at any one time. Um, and I, I think more than anything, you have, to have a, you have to have an incredibly thick skin. There are going to be times when cash flow is really tight and you questioning whether you absolutely fucked up and made the wrong choice. There's going to be times when you've got, uh, you're missing out on a Christmas party or your friends are all going out on a night out and, and you could, you're just missing out on it because you're offering something for your own business. Um, I think you just have to be a little bit thick skinned and to take the rough with the smooth. Um, other challenges are just the practical aspects. Do you need to register as a company? Who's going to be your tax man? Uh, sorry, your accountant. Um, what do you need to do from a national insurance contribution? Or just literally tiny little practical things that, that take some time to, to figure out. Um, and I think then just having the balls to say, yeah, I thought about that. I'm going for it anyway. Um, just just taking a plunge, that that in itself is the final step that was probably the most scary for me. Handing in my notice letter to my boss and my friend was a very intimidating time in my life. But... Um, I think once I'd done it, a huge confidence builder. Um, once I'd even reached the point where I was like, here's my letter of resignation. As soon as I handed it in, I was kind of like, right, well, I better make a success of this then. Um, and that in itself is, you know, either motivating or crushing. Or crushing. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully I, I rambled a little bit there, but hopefully some of the... Some of the challenges of leaving your job are in there. Um, there are some things that people don't really talk about, the, the loss of day-to-day -day contact or uh, messing out on a sort of social circle, I guess. But um, depending on what your business is, you'll develop a new one. Hi, guys. My name's Craig Sullivan, and I'm the managing director of a company called Student House Gillingham. And we specialize solely in private rented accommodation for university students in Medway. Um, I'm also a property enthusiast and a property developer, and you can follow my journey on my Instagram accounts 
at property underscore apprentice. So this is absolutely critical, this point. This is massive. No words, I, I think, can describe this until you've been there yourself. Because I think a lot of people have fallen here, that they've, they're doing their side hustle and it gets to the point where they're like, shit, I need to make a decision whether to focus on this full time or whether to nip this in the bud and just carry on with doing what I'm doing. And, the, and my advice is if you've got a slight bit of fear or doubt, then you're probably not going to do it. And that's why I'm saying a lot of people have fallen here because I think a lot of people have said to themselves, uh, I don't know, what if I, what if I fail? What if people laugh at me? Um, what if I can't make what I'm earning now? Uh, what if X person judges me? Do you know what I mean? So many excuses. And I think if you think about that, then you're not going to do it. You're, you're going to fail at anything if you think like that. However, if you think about the what ifs or think about the motivation behind it, um, then you're going to succeed. So that's what I would focus on. And an analogy I would use to perfectly describe this is a boxing match. Um, and those that have done boxing will know exactly what I mean. But let's just say, for example, you're in a boxing ring and the, and you're in the guy in front of you in the other corner. He is the meanest looking motherfucker you've seen. He's bigger than you. He's toner than you. And he just looks fucking mean. He's got all these tattoos. He's got a gold tooth and he's got a skin. I don't know, whatever. He looks just mean. And you're thinking, whoa, hold on a minute. This, this looks, this looks tough. Anyway, Round one, boom, the, the, the bell goes. And um, in round one, you are taking an absolute beating. No matter what you do, he reads it, he's countering you, he's cutting you off every time you want to slip, the crowd are booing you because they think you're crap. And, and yeah, you are taking an absolute beating in there. You're lucky to still be standing. He had you against the ropes. And yeah, you're lucky you are still standing. You hate it in there. Okay, it's hell in there. But that to me is you working around your job, working around the family, working around all your other responsibilities. That's you grafting, putting in the hours, putting in the time, people saying no. Okay, that's round one. Then you get to round two. And round two is you you come out and you think, oh my God, something's got to change here. And then you, you're 10 seconds in and all of a sudden that guy you thought was bigger than you, toner than you, meaner than you, you start to read him. You start to see what he's throwing first, start countering him, start catching him. And this guy who was quicker than you, he's slowing down. He's, he's panting a bit and, and you can see that and you start to catch it. And that for me is you seeing the fruits of your labor, seeing the success. And I think a lot of people stop there i think they stop there and and or, and it's all about the mental mental positivity that you can actually win this okay because if you thought oh no i'm going to throw in the towel then you would have lost that and that's where i think a lot of people do they take an absolute beating realize it's tough and then quit but that's not you and that's not what you're going to do so then you get to round three and your coach is telling you you had a good round that round he's knackered you need to go out there you need to give 150 percent and you're not going to win on points the knockout is the only way you do it so that's exactly what you do you picture that knockout you go out there the round goes and you start going for it and all of a sudden he is that this quick guy this tone guy he's nothing he's against the ropes now you've got him against the ropes and you're throwing dig after dig and you're catching him with some good shots and then all of a sudden you get that boost you get that energy boost and you get that feeling that you know that you're going to knock this guy out 
you could feel it coming. Then all of a sudden, the crowd get behind you. Then you've got that surge of energy and everyone's rooting for you because they can see it as well that this guy, is, he's, he's on his last legs here and you are pounding this guy to bits. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he, see, he throws one final dig at you just to see if he can put you on your ass and you slip it and you give him the biggest crack you've ever given him. Okay? And then he falls on his ass and that's it, you win. Okay? And that is how you've got to visualize your business. You, you're you going to be a knockout puncher, okay, with, with whatever you do. If you visualize you going out in the big bad world and you getting fucking knocked out yourself, you're going to fail. It's as simple as that. So I know I've run it and raving. I got quite passionate then, but that to me is, is how I would sum up the feeling of how important it is to, to have that mes, uh, mental positive attitude that you can conquer the world and you will. Hey people, thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing Not Another Sales Podcast. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.